You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, we're gonna have to get rid of all those t-shirts. We shouldn't <laughs> we shouldn't have printed so many. It was a mistake. Uh, all those 16 in 1 t-shirts we printed uh, are gonna have to get shipped off somewhere um, for some children in need because they they cannot be worn here in Milwaukee. The Bucks lose 110-99 to the Houston Rockets. And I'm trying to decide if that score is indicative of the game, if it's more generous than the game went or harsher than the game went. Where where would you go with a 110-99 loss? It feels about right, I'm thinking. It does feel about right, but you know this was a vulnerable Rockets team in the sense that they played a pretty late game last night in Oklahoma City. The Bucks had an extra day of rest, and they were waiting at home. Um, so... You know, this these were more or less the the most ideal circumstances for the Bucks to be competitive, and you know they were competitive for for long stretches. But you know, again, it was a I mean, how many times have we used the word get over the phrase get over the hump in the last two weeks? Yep. Like every other goddamn day, that's like all we ever talk about is the Bucks <laughs> trailing and then not being able to get over the hump. And um, tonight it was. The second quarter, statistically, it was just the second quarter, right? They lost that quarter by 10. Um, they come back, you know, they were down, what, a dozen at halftime. Uh, come back to within four, 73-69 in the third quarter. Um, but just every time, you know, they kind of get close. They had it single digits for much of the fourth quarter. You know, every time they got it there, they just make a mistake. They press. They, you know, look completely disjointed offensively. I mean, that that you know I, I mean we we're talking just before the podcast i mean defensively you look at what we saw tonight um you know the rockets 113.5 offensive rating that's a couple below their their normal average so you know that's probably about as good as you could expect you know harden 26 points on 20 shots with five turnovers T- you'll take that yep every day you'll take that right um you know he only had six assists which is a small number by his standard and, and Chris Paul 16 points on 12 shots just one out of six threes he did have 11 assists um, but neither of those guys you know just killed you right which is normally the big concern since everything starts with those guys um, but they just got city contributions from kind of all their usual role players Um, you know 14 out of 43s is about average for them from a, a three-point con- you know, pers- perspective not great not bad. Um, they benefited com- from Capella missing eight out of ten free throws. Um, but then offensively, you know, the Bucks had Giannis go for thirty on twenty shots. Um, certainly, we saw a lot of small lineups, which was nice from the Bucks. And you know, Giannis was often around the basket, taking advantage of that and of the smallness of the Rockets. Capella only playing nineteen minutes. Um, but you know, just man, the Bucks' offense just continues to be an absolute slog. And 
you know, it's it's all the more apparent when you watch a team like the Rockets who, you know, get good spot-up looks for three for all their role players constantly. And then their main guys, obviously, I'm going to harden, even though he didn't shoot well, he got to the rim a bunch, especially when he was switched. And, you know, whoever Jabari Parker was guarding was pretty much getting to the rim for a layup. Um, so, yeah, it was a study in contrast, and the Bucks didn't get blown out. But, um, you know, they had favorable circumstances, I'd say, with certainly the, the rest factor coming into this game. And um, obviously, once again, the Bucks, you know, okay, good job, good effort. But, nope, not you know, horseshoes and hand grenades. <laughs> We talked about it a little bit last night, or at least I, I had talked about it last night, where you think about this Rockets team and everything makes sense. The the role players, the stars, the coach, the organization, like everything is right in line. You know exactly what you're getting from all those things, and you know how, the, how they're all going to work together in concert. Like you, you get it. When, and then... When you watch them play, even on the second game of a back-to-back where they're not hitting a bunch of threes and James Harden has a couple more turnovers than he should have and doesn't hit as many threes as he should, and you have some things go right, but everything still makes sense. And I said it last night, but seeing it with my own two eyes was a very different thing where on one end of the floor you said, yep, got it. I know what they're trying to do. I know the players they're trying to involve. I know the shots that they're trying to get. I get all of it. And when the Bucks came down <laughs> offensively, well, they got they got that one tall guy. Um, he seems to get the ball some, and it appears that they like to get him switched on to little guys, which is nice. Um, but then they kind of clear out one side of the floor, and some people cut sometimes, but then other times they don't cut and they stand there, and then they don't really move the ball out of that, and you're just. You're just trying to figure it out. And one thing we were talking about before we started recording tonight was when you think of the Rockets, like there are things that work together. Like if Paul and Harden are on the floor, the action they run will look to get Paul or Harden a free look, but also it'll probably involve the other person that they'll start the action with one person, um, whether that's Paul or Harden. So Paul starts it and then their their goal is to get it to Harden and then get Harden in, 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 a, in a position of advantage. And then they go from there. While with the Bucks, we were trying to think of a action, a single action that the Bucks run where Chris Middleton somehow benefits from Giannis Dekumbo or vice versa. Uh, some action they run for Chris that gets Giannis a good look. And it largely doesn't exist. Like there's some times where Giannis is uh, the screener for, for Eric Bledsoe or for Chris Middleton that will get them action. But that's the primary action. Like there, there's no secondary action that flows into each other. Like none of it goes together. And even with the addition of another offensive weapon in Jabari Parker, you still see just stagnant offense, disjointed offense where you don't really know. You don't, you don't know how they're going to put together a full possession. You know, you don't know how those 24 seconds are going to get used in a way that's productive. And maybe there'll be five or six seconds that are really good and get things going, but there's just long stretches of general inactivity, and it just it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I don't think it could be more stark than the night that the Houston Rockets come to town because everything uh, seems to make sense for those guys. And granted, that they have two incredible ISO players in Chris Paul and James Harden that make it much easier in that same regard, but 
Giannis is talented uh, as an ISO guy. Uh, Chris Middleton is not often thinked of, thought of as, as a talented ISO guy, but we know about the Tough Shot Express. That's a thing that exists. So like there, there's just a, a lack of cohesion to what the Bucks do offensively, and I don't, I don't know that's going to get any better in the next 19 games. Um, we're probably in a spot where this is what we're going to see uh, the rest of the way, but it's also kind of painful to watch 17 games excuse me but it's just not it's not pretty yeah and you know this was always you know this was kind of the concern like right you know even before the jason kidd firing you know was offensively like what what you know how much is really going to change when you find you fire jason kidd until you get a new staff in probably not a whole lot you know um you know it's not like joe prunty as the the main offensive assistant was holding stuff back before, you know? Um, and so I'd say a lot of what we've seen has, has been fairly similar. I think certainly with, um, you know, the point guards that they've been missing has certainly forced the second unit offense to feature a lot more Jason Terry. Um, unfortunately jet tonight against his old team, um, defensively, he was jumping a lot of passing lanes, was involved in a lot of deflections and, and stuff early. Um, but over four from three, one of six from the field shooting wise, he just didn't have it tonight, which obviously, hurt you know in a game where you needed to to be able to answer you know some fire with fire um you know certainly jet wasn't a part of that and and i think you know certainly a lot of the minutes we've seen from jet i mean you know he's obviously had a lot of like surprisingly good games um of late and i think he's one guy who actually has a pretty good sense of how to play with Giannis. um probably better than most everyone else on the team just in terms of knowing knowing that he needs to be getting the ball where he needs to be getting the ball um, and knowing that he needs to always be, you know, ready at the three point line and ready to shoot and not be, you know, Oh, uh, I think I'll, you know, pump fake and then drive and not be able to do anything, which, you know, seems to be like most of the, what most of the bucks do when Giannis kicks it out to them. Um, or, or, but, or like, a, and they're not even record scratches for the bucks because that would be too kind and too short of an interval. Like a record scratch is like, a second or two too long. Like the Bucks are like six seconds too long when they catch the ball. And it's like, oh, standing here. I don't know what's. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And ugh, ugh. yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's 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 tough, right? Because um, you know Middleton tonight statistically. You know, if you told if you if we were told before the game you're gonna get 18 points on 13 shots, 12 boards, five assists, three steals from Chris Middleton, we would have said, book it. You know, yep. <laughs> like we'll take that. Yeah. Um, you know, the rebounding numbers are, I, I can't remember the last time Middleton had a double digit rebounding game, um, five assists, uh, three steals, all that's good stuff. He hit three out of seven threes, um, you know, which obviously is, is a major plus, you know, last game looking hampered by a knee injury only took one, three period that he, you know, missed it. Um, so statistically it was fine. Um, but I think, you know, again, it's, it's just when Giannis is, is attacking and tonight, I thought it was interesting. Um, this the Rockets did bring doubles, um, but a lot of times it seemed like it was Capella when he was in the game doubling from the baseline, um, which kind of forced which sort of shepherded Giannis into the middle of the court, which to me defensively is not what you want to do. Like I, I would have I don't know. I mean, I know that obviously the rationale for bringing the double from the big guy along the baseline is, you know, you're forcing basically the help to or sorry the the offensive player to have to like throw the ball all the way over the other side of the court in order to find an open man which is harder than you know doubling from like a man away which leaves you know uh, sort of the the first pass open um but i thought at times like i don't know that that part uh, didn't necessarily 
convince me too much. But, you know, the fact that Giannis was still getting doubled, still getting pressured, he had the ball in his hands all the time, he was kicking it out a lot, and he ends up with one assist and six turnovers, like, to me, that's sort of indicative of a frustrating game. And, you know, Chris, of those three turnovers, I can think of, I think, two of them very starkly. One of them was, what, the one with under, was it under a minute left where he gets a steal? Like a minute 12, got, I think, somewhere in there. Oh, a minute 12, yeah. Um, and what is it? I think he got a steal and then pushed starts dribbling the, the ball. Line. Yeah, pushes up pushes up the court. Um, you know, he had a couple guys in the play with him, and he ends up dribbling it. I forget who was in the corner with him, but basically like dribbles it, like, towards another teammate, like, and essentially just, like, runs into whoever and i sorry i'm like not remembering the play that well but you know he basically like runs into a rockets defender falls down the ball squirts loose and it's a turnover and the other one i really remember and i forget when it was but it was another situation where the bucks i think middleton it was one of middleton's other steals and he starts driving the ball up the court and you think oh the bucks are going to get like a fast break bucket and it says he throws it to eric bledsoe at the middle of court but like way too far James Harden just catches it, throws it over the top for a layup the other way. Um, and that just like felt like kind of the night it was. I mean, like, you know, like there was that other one where Middleton passed it. Giannis should have caught it for a dunk on the fast break. And Giannis just bobbles it out of bounds. It just felt like there were a lot of plays like that. And the Bucks didn't have a ton of turnovers. I mean, 13, almost half of those from Giannis, another three from Middleton. Um, but it just felt like, you know, a game of, of missed opportunities. And whether it was, you know, missed threes. Nine out of 28 were the Bucks. 32%. Obviously, that's not good. Um, not the worst in the world, but obviously not good. Um, it, it, just stuff like that. And then also the offensive rebounds that they gave up. Um, just, you know, 12 offensive rebounds for uh, for the Rockets. Uh, just six for the Bucks. The Rockets have been a really good defensive rebounding team all year, despite the fact that, yes, they play small a ton of the time. They still are a very good defensive rebounding team. Um, you know, it just felt like that, that that's that's where you lost this game to me. It was, you know, not being able to to get defensive rebounds when you needed them. You got turnovers. I mean, 16 turnovers is a good number for for the Rockets. Um, and then, you know, just offensively, just just making life hard on yourself. And then at times, you know, having opportunities and just not being able to take advantage of them. So, um, so yeah, it's just a, a kind of a I don't know, feels like a familiar song we've been playing of late. Just um, the Bucks just not playing better than the sum of their parts. And, um, you know, again, not necessarily looking horrible other than that Detroit game. They've been in all of these games. Um, they've had good chances really to win all of these games if they just played a little bit better. But um, night to night, it's just not there. And, and it's interesting just to kind of think about this. Um, and, and the fact that we do so often mention that the offense just doesn't look like doesn't look right you mentioned it being uh, was a slog I, I mentioned it being disjointed like all of this just it doesn't it doesn't work together and you just think about easy looks right like that's a that's a thing you know when when the offense is cooking for any team you see easy looks and man it's tough to think of them in Milwaukee Bucks games like there's some transition easy looks like sometimes Giannis will get dunks there um, sometimes they'll able they'll be able to get an easy one, but man, there's just not easy looks in the half court. Like those just don't seem to exist uh, for this team right now. And um, I, I mean, I don't I don't even know. It's it's just going to be uh, kind of an interesting, just an interesting thing to watch. And 
Um, it, it's funny too. You mentioned the turnovers from Middleton, and it was, my mentions were flooded with Middleton sucks and whatever people say about it. And in my mind, I was like, he's very clearly the second best player on the floor for the Bucks tonight. Like, yeah. I, I, didn't, I don't even think it was close. And it, it's just always funny that when the Bucks lose, I know that I'm going to get a bunch of tweets about Chris Middleton, which is fine. Um, I kind of understand, like, I get it. He's not an attractive player to watch. His game is not fun to watch in any way. Um, he's no showed uh, against good teams this year, but recently, I don't know that that's been the case. Like, he had a 30 point night against the Pacers the other night. Um, and we didn't really talk about it because it was on a Friday night. Uh, and then on that Sunday, he didn't play quite as well. Um, and struggled a little bit in that one. So we talked about it then. And I don't know. I thought he, again, and and I guess the thing is, I, I, I think the the problems with people have with Middleton go back to the schemes, right? Like you don't want to see Chris Middleton handling the ball and being the second creator on this team, but that's the way that the Bucks use them. Like he is in that role, and that's not going to please anyone uh, because you want to see him shooting catch and shoot threes, you want to see him running off screens, you want to see him get some of those looks, but. The Bucks have made it very clear that they're not going to get those looks for anyone. Um, maybe Tony Snell and some of those handoffs, but everywhere else, like it's just going to be difficult and hard to get open looks. And well, Chris Middleton, if there is one skill that he undoubtedly has, it is hitting tough mid-range jumpers. Um, which again, I don't know if that's a skill you really want to accentuate but the bucks have made that option or made that choice this year so um i I just thought kind of ugly there um going around the rest of the roster uh, outside of Giannis and chris i mean i I don't think you're going to expect a huge game from bledsoe uh, on a night where he's going up against chris paul just because chris paul i mean chris paul is better than him like there's just not really in a way around that uh but him and Tony Snell were minus 17 on the night from the starters. It, Bledsoe just 4 of 11, 2 of 6 from 3, 5 of 6 from the line, 15 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 turnovers. And, I, I mean, I just didn't think there was much there. John Henson only played 20 minutes. Uh, Tony Snell was 1 of 4 from 3. Uh, just those other guys in the starting lineup, I, I didn't think brought a, a whole lot tonight. Yeah, I mean, I thought one positive thing was the fact that John Henson didn't play much and we didn't see any of Thon Maker. Um, we talked about, you know, the need to start playing smaller uh, with Giannis at center um, for a number of reasons. And this being obviously a good litmus test game, whether Joe Prenti was going to just continue to play, you know, traditional lineups or whether he would actually kind of go with, you know, more of a matchup driven type of rotation tonight. Tonight he did do that. Um and I was glad to see it. You know, I, I think I will have to see um, what the kind of net result of it was. I, I, you know, we usually use um, I always like to look at popcornmachine.net. Uh, it's a good website. It has these game flows. that lets you see different lineups and how they do um, at different times. And, um, you know, I, I know what was it in the was it? I think it was in the third quarter, I think. Um, they went small, and I believe that was when they made their run to, to narrow the gap to four. Um, and, you know, they did it at various times. Sometimes it was with Jabari. Sometimes it wasn't, like, in the fourth quarter. Um, and, again, like, you're not going to play Giannis at center, like, you know, 25 minutes a game or something like that. But, um, you know, using it 
kind of selectively. I think it makes a lot of sense. And certainly in a game like this where, you know, even Capella, you know, didn't play much. Um, I think it was obviously something I think made a lot of sense to try to do that. And I think it was no surprise that, you know, we saw Giannis around the basket a lot, having opportunities to get to the rim, finish at the rim, because the opponent did not have a shot blocker in much of the time. And the Bucks likewise did not have, you know, a second big man, you know, as much as the, 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 you know, the kind of guys standing around the perimeter stuff, uh, did not translate into good offense or, you know, good ball movement, any of that stuff. Um, you know, just by default, having four guys who can sort of shoot in on the court instead of, you know, Henson and three other guys, uh, you know, it does obviously give you, give you honest a better chance to get to the rim. So there was at least some of that, but, um, but it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know offhand what the small lineups were. Giannis was minus 11. So, you know, certainly, um, it's not like he was uh, a shining light and, uh, you know, they got killed. They lost because it was when Giannis was on the bench that they got killed or something like that. Yep. Uh, I think they were only minus one when Giannis was on the bench. Um, but again, whatever, like, you know, one game doesn't make, make tell a whole lot. But I think this is now I think Giannis has been a negative, has had a negative plus minus in 23 games this year. And I think they are now 0 23 in those games. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that speaks to a the fact that they are much worse when Giannis is off the court, not surprisingly. So you're not going to, if Giannis, if they're, if you're a negative with Giannis on the court, you know, never have you been able to make that up by his replacements in the bench being a positive. Um, and he obviously fundamentally also just plays a ton of minutes. So there's also not that much time to make up uh, a, a deficit if Giannis is a negative. But still, I think I looked last year. I think they won eight games when Giannis was in, had a negative rating. Um, this year, zero. Um, and that probably tells, you know, a very uh, unsurprising story about how dependent they've been. I think they were, I think they're like 32 and six when he has a positive rating or something like that. Hmm. Um, or 31 and six, maybe. Um, so. Or no, thirty-two and six because they have thirty-four total wins and they've won twice without him. So, um, was, anyway, I was going to say after the game, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, Matt Velasquez had pushed a little bit on Joe. Um, not that Joe says a ton of anything um, during his pre or post game um, availability, but he was asking about small ball lineups and kind of the approach there. And Joe was very hesitant and said, "You know, like that's not a." You know, I don't, I wouldn't read too much into that. Like, that's not a thing that we're going to do all the time, which I, I would – I mean, that's not totally surprising to hear from Joe Pronti. But after the game, when we talked to Giannis, Giannis did say that before the game, Joe had said, hey, you're, there's a good chance that you're playing some five tonight. We're going to give you that look. And Giannis had mentioned that since it was Capella, like that's not really a guy that is going to be – overwhelmingly physical with him which is something that he's kind of complained about in the past that you know when I play the five you're you're just kind of getting beat up so much uh that offensively you can be a little bit tired but he said tonight that that wasn't really a problem because if there was a big it was Capella that was on the floor with him uh so I I thought it was it was was good and refreshing to hear that before the game they'd had this talk and this was something that going like going into the game they knew that they could do. And I, I don't know if that that same foresight maybe would have happened uh, three months ago. I, I don't know if it would have. So I just thought that was kind of good and interesting to hear um, that they had kind of thought all of this through and, and decided that they might go there. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, Sterling Brown, yeah, 15 points on the night, three of six from the three-point line, six of 12 overall, five rebounds for him as well. Um, I just thought 
again, we I would say we're Sterling stands here on Locked On Bucks. Uh, I don't want to speak for you for sure, but I believe you are. Um, I am. And when you see him have those kind of games, like those are the ones that you're hoping for. And he's had he's definitely had some struggles in the last couple of weeks. Like there's no way uh, around that. He, he hasn't been able to hit some shots, and I think there's been, certainly been plenty of times where he hasn't been maybe as aggressive as he needs to be and, and just more willing to float around. And we saw that when he started for Tony Snell for a couple games, and he just didn't really have that flow. But tonight it was kind of back, and, and maybe it was because he knew he was going to get to talk some junk to Chris Paul and James Harden. But um, whatever it is that got him going, like he, he, was kind of, he was kind of in it tonight. And I thought that was, that was exciting to see. And the other thing that was exciting to see is another one of those pump fake sidestep threes which I'm super into um, when we talk about kind of juicing up the Bucks three-point attempts. That's one way to do it. When you get a flyby on someone, don't dribble forward for a mid-range jumper that nobody wants, even though it's a good shot. And certainly growing up, that was the way I learned. Like you, you get a pump fake, someone goes by, you take one dribble in and you take that pull-up. That's a good shot. Um, the, if you can get it to be a three, it's a much better shot. And it seems like in the last couple of weeks, the Bucks have had a lot more of those. I think Jed had one the other night. Uh, Sterling has had two in the last two games, or one in each of the last two games. Uh, I think Tony Snell had one. Like that's that's a move that I don't know if they're hammering at home in practice or if it's just total coincidence that it's occurred in these last couple of games. But I like seeing that, and I like seeing Sterling Brown play well. Yeah, and 15 points tonight, um, new career high, uh, which is obviously always a positive to, you know, try to find something positive from a game, you know, that you lose. Uh, he had scored in double figures three times in a course of five games at the end of January. Um, that was when, you know, things were starting to kind of really flow well, really nicely for him. Uh, he shot 47% from three in the month of January. Uh, unfortunately, in February, Really didn't, you know, really wasn't able to kind of carry that over. Did had had a couple of decent games actually to start the month, hitting 50% or better in his first two games, and then uh, you know really kind of slumped for a while. Um, had a better game against the Pelicans um, a week ago or a little over a week ago, um, but you know has not kind of had a game like this kind of where he was more of a standout from a scoring perspective. So, you know, again, Sterling Brown giving you very little versus you know double digit scoring and being a threat from three and you know, playing his MF or defense and getting a, a block or a steal and things like that. that That's, I think, a big difference. And, you know, I think tonight, too, I mean, we remember in the, his first game in, in uh, Houston, uh, he had, what, like three fouls in five minutes or something like that. Um, tonight, you know, zero foul or sorry, one foul in 27 minutes. Right. So um, hopefully that is um, a sign of of him maturing. And, um, you know, you look at his his foul numbers, they've actually been very uh very manageable for for quite some time he really has not had a lot of games with with foul trouble. obviously he doesn't always play a ton of minutes but you know over the last month he's been you know in that 15 to 20 minute range for for large stretches and um you know obviously he's a guy that uh you wish that you know he was one of a few guys that you had on young guys on rookie contracts who are contributing and you know he could just be another uh contributor but with sterling and you know the fact that dj wilson is you know a non-entity on this team basically uh, Rashad Vaughn is gone and Thon Maker tonight picks up a DNP CD which obviously has not happened I don't know how many times that's happened this season maybe only a couple other times I want to say yeah um, you know uh, Sterling Brown is uh, you know help me Obi-Wan Kenobi you're our only hope uh, <laughs> uh, that's 
not a great place to be with the 46 pick in the draft, but um, obviously he's a guy that I think we know can contribute. Now it's just a matter of building that consistency. I think you know, tool-wise, he's he's got what's needed. He's got the mentality. Um, so hopefully that kind of continues. You know, um, and you're hopefully going to see more of that here over the last couple of months of the last month and change of the season. Um, one guy who uh, maybe did not have such a positive story, uh, Jabari Parker. Five out of 12, 10 points, three assists, a steal, uh, one turnover in 25 minutes. Um, was a minus six, which maybe is a bit flattering because um, defensively, uh, the Rockets knew where to find him and exploited him pretty much whenever they wanted. And uh, offensively, he, especially early on, hurried a bunch of shots. I think he got a little bit better offensively as the game went on. But, um, you know, 10 points on 12 shots, not not an efficient night for him scoring. And, um, you know, again, he did not finish the game. And I imagine that was largely because Joe Prenti didn't feel like defensively he could manage to do that. Yeah. Um, I think there's there's some questions that maybe I don't want to ask. Um, regarding what Jabari Parker has looked like uh, since he's come back. Because, man, there's just some stuff that, that you watch, and I, I got to say, I, I don't enjoy seeing it. Um, obviously, the defense is, is something that you're always concerned about, and, you know, you want to see more of that, and you want to see it get better, and you want to see him improve, and largely to this point i mean i I don't think we've seen that and you mentioned prunty not going to him late and i mean i think you have to you have to imagine much of the reason was well when he was in it was a lot of straight line drives from the houston rockets and they were they were doing everything that they could to involve him there and i I guess i i've never had the expectation that he's someday going to be a good defender um i've been hopeful that someday he'll be a bad defender um, and he just he just isn't even that yet. And all of that wouldn't be all of that concerning if there wasn't just the total disregard for getting back in transition. That one, uh, it's not excusable. Like, there, there's just not a time where I find that to be okay. And there was the alley-oop Middleton tried to throw to him tonight, and both Middleton and Jabari just – decided that you know what turnover bad break they're going the other way maybe i'll get there at some point um and loafed took their time and then eventually both of them sprinted at i want to say pj tucker for a corner three but it was transition it was like five on three and pj tucker was sitting i think it's pj tucker but some rocket was sitting wide open in the left hand corner hits a three and then you have uh, just another one of those sequences where you could have had something positive on one end you have a a bad pass you have a turnover and then two guys that don't get back and and Middleton's certainly been guilty of that throughout this season but man Jabari it's been at least three times in each of the last three games where you just lose him on the screen like and that that rarely happens in NBA games where there's only nine players on the screen because the tenth one is still back there, um, just not really giving the effort in transition. And this is something that you and I have, I don't want to say argued about in the past, but maybe disagreed a little bit. Where I've always thought the the effort from Jabari on the defensive end has been there, even if he is bad defensively and makes bad reads and, and gets lost. Like I've always felt that he tries pretty hard, 
and man, it has just been, it's been bad as of late. And again, I know there's built in excuses. He's, he's still getting back. He's fatigued. He's tired. All those things. Okay. Well, if he is, then he can't play 25 minutes anymore. Like you go hard for 15 minutes and then we'll, we'll see if we can move you up even higher. And I don't know, like that, that kind of stuff just always, always bothers me. And I I know it's something that uh, it's just easy to see. And it's disappointing to see when guys do it. And there's just been a bunch of examples in the last couple of games where we've seen Jabari just not give the effort to get back defensively. And it's frustrating because I think right now in particular with the way that the Bucks offense has been just, you know, flowing like toxic sludge uh, in the half court at times, um, you know, a guy like Jabari, Jabari is the only other guy in this team who can create, you know, really quality looks other than Giannis um, with consistency. And tonight, even when he didn't really play particularly well offensively and looked out of control at times, I mean, you still also saw those those flashes like he just sort of said i'm getting to the paint i'm getting to the rim get a good look and he gets to the rim gets to the paint scores or you know gets a good look or whatever and you're just like that's that's an nba skill that's why he was taken second overall you know like um and and it's frustrating because right now you know there is a lot of value in having him be able to be that score off the bench and you know coming off the bench in particular you know his his defensive issues may not always be as apparent because you know going against second units he may not always be going against as sort of like the the top line players as often yep. who can really exploit it but certainly a team like houston um you know is really predicated on just you know where's the where's the worst defender okay let's do a pick and roll with him let's get a switch and then and then exploit it um and you know again to be honest i mean we were talking before the podcast about this and i mean the the bad part is that you know jabari's sort of inadequacies inadequacies is like an isolation kind of man defender are probably like not even in the top two or three of my concerns about him defensively um you know he's probably more you know the most engaged when he's doing that versus off ball you know losing guys on switches and things like or you know losing guys on the weak side and things like that um or you know not rebounding and and things like that to me that's probably you know even more destructive just because um you know again like certainly in the playoffs like this is going you know if you have a guy like this it's going to be a limiting factor against the Rockets and the Warriors and, and these great teams, especially in the playoffs where, you know, this kind of stuff becomes much more pronounced. Um, but, you know, starting start seeing where the Bucks are right now, uh, it's not always as apparent regular season. It's not necessarily always going to be, you know, night to night quite as obvious. Um, and so you can kind of, if you just are vaguely competent as a help defender uh, or at least don't stand out and you, you know, at least rebound for your position. Okay. Then, then, you know, it's, it's okay. Um, but obviously, you know, that's the thing with Jabari is just sort of all those things. And, you know, I mean, that's sort of the frustrating part because I think offensively, even if, you know, we can say these pieces don't fit great with each other in terms of the Bucks' best players, um, you know, I mean, we've seen them score at a high level for extended for most of the season, right? It's not like yeah. they've been 20th in the league for all of this year and, you know, that's just, just sort of is what it is. Um, it's been it's been a, a, a more pronounced slog the last couple weeks and um again you know eric bledsoe had the comment about them playing tight and you know they're better when they play loose and and whatever and 
sure, I guess. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, you know, it's it's uh, to me this reminds me a little of like like every time the Bucks are talked about by like you know on any of the national shows. Um, it like inevitably seems to include like two former players and one saying they should play faster. Why don't they, they, they should get more easy buckets. Like, well, yeah. Um, you know, but it's not, you know, a, a video game where you just mash the turbo button and then it's, you know, you just get up and down the court and get layups really easily. Right. And I even think there to is... that point, like off of, I think Dean tweeted out today off of turnovers, they have the fastest pace and off of misses, they have the fourth fastest pace. Like pace is, Going faster is only something you can do if you really commit to it and want to do it all the time offensively. Like right. that also includes shooting quick threes. That also includes yeah. having guys that can hit jumpers. Like all of those things are a part of pace. And those are things that are often overlooked when someone just says, Well, they should play at a faster pace. Well, they do. Like the things that they can maximize without actively having a John Wall type push the ball up the floor after every make, they already do. Well, and I mean, one thing though is like you, you know, how many times? Like one thing we saw tonight, though. I mean, to, I guess to counter that maybe a little bit, there was one play, and I forget, I forget who made the original pass, but Luke Bamute got a layup after a, the Bucks made a shot. Right? Mm-hmm. They just went like end to end. They ran off the uh, a a miss or a, a make. I don't think the Bucks. I mean, I I've, I would find a very have a very hard time believing that that the stats would say the Bucks really push the tempo off off certainly opponent makes um I, I don't know if dean had numbers on that but um the bucks see to me seemed like after a make they try to get into their offense pretty slowly and mm-hmm. maybe that's just because it's you know again just their offense just doesn't come very naturally to them and it's all very you know deliberate how they have to get into things and that's probably because again they don't have guys who are comfortable shooting shots quickly right yeah. shooting shooting threes right um and you know your best three-point shooter is chris middleton theoretically but you know chris doesn't like to shoot quick threes he doesn't shoot threes off the dribble um he wants to you know even on kicks out his kickouts he doesn't really you know he needs to really be open to shoot an open three and so often it seems like he could shoot a catch and shoot three that has a good ch- chance of going in. Maybe it'll be contested, but he instead puts the ball on the floor and dribbles in for a long two or whatever. And he's really good at long twos, but you know, it's just sort of math, you know, you're fighting math doing, <laughs> doing a lot of this stuff. And it just seems like the bucks, you know, sort of whether it's purely their schemes, I think a lot of it's those instincts as well. Like they're, they're just fighting math. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, I'm um, dying for his Jim O'Brien meeting. I've mentioned that anecdote a million times on this podcast, but when Jim O'Brien stopped Kyle Corver in practice after he had pump faked and dribbled in for a two and told him, if you do that again, you're not playing like someone, <laughs> someone like that. Chris Middleton needs that moment. Like, and even to this, uh, again, the, the analogy I always used is who's the buck Steve Kerr like in the same way instead of Mark Jackson telling Clay Thompson to go post up like okay Clay you're gonna shoot all the threes and we're just gonna get you a bunch of looks that way like that meeting needs to occur with Chris Middleton and uh, I, I'm very confident that that has not happened yet in his career the thing that then that's the hard part right is like is is you look at like the Bucks key guys I mean Chris and Giannis have been together for five years now yep i mean it's it's not like 
there's we're still trying to figure out how these guys can work together right Bledsoe obviously is more 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 recent addition um but Chris and Giannis have been together for five years and I think you know certainly Giannis publicly always talked about how much he values Chris and playing with Chris and you know how much of a help he is um but this season in particular it just feels like their dynamic is all just you know you get you get a possession and then Chris you know puts up a gets a possession and you know forces a shot and then you know Giannis gets his more touches because he's a better player and you know but it, it doesn't really feel like there's a dynamic for getting the most out of Chris there's, using Giannis there's little right? synergy like, there's very little yeah, synergy between the it's, two and right and and they're you know they're they're plus minus together I think is has has always been pretty good right I mean they're they're obviously the two the Bucks two best players um so it's not like oh they're like a negative team with them on the court together or something like that and we talked about the starting lineup just becoming for some reason garbage going from great to garbage over the last like month um or sorry since the all-star break um but but that's kind of a question for for me you know like I mean we've talked about it for years right like why don't the bucks have a play that they run to get chris middleton a three like literally <laughs> like there's literally like there's, there's no not one there's not a single play other than the go wiper, stand over there or and, the wiper and, action when they're down three and need a three like that's the yeah. only play that they run for chris middleton <laughs> which which hasn't worked in like three years probably no, no. um and otherwise it's like chris stand at the three-point line and then Giannis get the ball in the post and then hopefully that creates <laughs> enough you know uh collapsing defense that like somebody else gets a two-pointer but like you know there's no like screen action like the bucks will run floppy and stuff like that but oh guys are like out of the playbook like they barely ever run that like well they- like they'll they'll run those like curls like when when Giannis like is yeah. playing the point guard and he's like 30 feet from the hoop and <sighs> you know nobody's guarding him and then like jet and middleton like run off like screens and stuff and it's like they're running off screen like curls but like they're not going to they're not going to catch it with those plays are not like in any way going to get set up an open three you know and it's just kind of remarkable that like i don't know i mean we're not like i mean i am i am in no way a you know basketball savant as far as you know I don't I'm not an X's and O's wizard Joe Prunty is you know forgotten infinitely more than I ever have known about X's and O's but you know um we, we should have Dean on again at some point soon since he obviously tracks you know sort of the way the Bucks um construct their offense and and run sets and things like that but it, it is just remarkable it just seems like you know and and this is probably why the Bucks have such a hard time also you know late in games it's like they you know it's like they need a three well it's like they get the ball to Chris in some situation where he's not used to getting it and if he's covered Chris cannot just I mean, he doesn't have he's not like Jabari who can like you know generally get a better look for himself yeah. just through like a sidestep or something like that like usually what happens is Chris then is in a bad spot and then it just becomes worse and he forces something um, and he he did that tonight too, right? Late in the game. Yep. Um, I want to say they just switched uh, everything, and he couldn't get anything off. Yeah, and and so that's just that's just really difficult, like kind of a different way to to live life. So so yeah, I mean I, I don't know. I mean it's you know it's it, we haven't seen this group you know certainly anywhere close to it. Like they're the 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 level of maturity they're at now as players, we've never seen these guys with anybody but sort of this current coaching staff. And it'll be interesting to see like well whoever comes in next. Um, what are they able to do? You know, what, what do they, how do they do it differently? How do you actually go try to find Chris Middleton, some, some three point looks. And again, I mean, he's shot poorly this year, like no doubt. Right. Um, I don't think anybody would, 
would say that this has been like an ideal shooting season from Chris Middleton, whether it's, you know, open threes or not. Um, but uh, again, it just seems like he, he has been, uh, he's, you know, he's scoring 20 points per game almost in spite of, you know, in spite of his shot selection. Right. I mean, yep. his shot chart is, is horrifying in terms of where he gets his shots from. And it's a testament to how good of a shooter he is from mid range and that he can shoot off the dribble going to the basket. Um, but again, like that, you know, this is probably why he's been really good when Giannis has been rested because he doesn't like he's not relying on Giannis to get these in shots. any way in any no, way. No. And I don't know. I mean, this is the problem. Like one of the problems with Chris is, you know, like because they're because him and Giannis are basically like the three, four most of the time, like they're they're defended by similarly sized guys. So it's like, yeah, I mean, like you could run like a Giannis Chris pick and roll. But I mean, you know, it's like an obvious thing just to switch. And, you know, even if you run, you know, they the Bucks do have some success, like Middleton and Henson have pretty good chemistry, like Middleton's pretty good at finding Henson for those lobs and, and stuff. Um, but Chris also, like, even if you get a switch on him, like he's not like a guy who's going to blow by a center if he gets a switch on the perimeter or something like that. Right. Like that if he layup gets a switch, he had on P.J. Tucker tonight was the closest yeah. thing to a rim attack I think I've ever seen from Chris Middleton. <laughs> yeah. Um so it's it's hard. He's just a different kind of player. Yeah. Um and he's he just doesn't you can't I mean it I think in some ways it's almost harder to sort of, you know, figure out like well, what's how do you take advantage of his skill set because it's not sort of like the typical get a bigger guy on him so he can drive around him. Like, you know, historically he's been more comfortable getting a smaller guy on him that he can yep. post up. Which again isn't like necessarily something you'd say is a, a quality shot, but Chris has been very proficient at it over the years. So anyway, we um, will see. We will see, we will see. what happens. Um, By the let's let's on the bright side, what, what is the Bucks schedule going forward? They play the Knicks, Grizzlies, Magic, and Hawks. I believe the next four. That is correct. Knicks on Friday, then at Memphis on Monday, at Orlando on Wednesday, and then back home next Saturday for the Hawks. So. Um, this is, uh, I believe in the post game, Giannis said, you have to have all four games. Like, that's it. You got to win all four. So we'll see if the Bucks can do that. Um, also maybe tomorrow we'll talk about whether or not we foresee Giannis sitting out a game, because if there was a stretch, you wanted to do it and you thought that he needed <laughs> it. Just saying, wouldn't that be playing with fire? Imagine I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Frank. Uh, so we can maybe talk about that a little bit tomorrow. Uh, the thing I wanted to end the podcast on, Frank, you may remember some of the epic arguments I've had with our good friend Jeremy Schmidt in the past about this very thing. During halftime at Bucks games, they do uh, two guys on each end or two people on each end shooting free throws. And whoever makes fo- most free throws in 30 seconds gets the option to take the jackpot shot, which is at half court, which I think is $5,000 maybe, the three-point shot, which is $1,000, and the free throw, that is $500. And I've always said I was a good free throw shooter back in my day, and if I felt good at the line, like say I made five or more in those 30 seconds, that I would go for the $500 at the free throw line because I feel like it'd be easy money and someone took the free throw tonight and he nailed it. And I could not have been happier or prouder or more excited. I will be sure to text Jeremy about it tomorrow 
and I'm sure he will be angry at me, but I wanted to talk about it on the podcast because I think it is easy money, and I encourage anyone listening to this podcast that someday gets chosen to get the opportunity to take a jackpot shot. If you hit five or more free throws, stay at the line, knock it down, take your 500 bucks. So that's like your version of Mari Ball, uh, yeah. name ball. Oh, yeah. Is, is the shoot the free throw at the halftime contest? Okay, it, fair it, enough. Only, only if you've shot the free throw well. Like if you only hit three free throws – and you somehow still won. Like go to the free, like go all the way back to half court. Like you, that free throw is no good for you. But if you're hitting your free throws, someone's gonna give you five hundred dollars. You take it. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, um, that's it for us for today on Lockdown Bucks. Bucks lose one ten ninety nine. We will talk to you tomorrow as we get you ready for the Bucks game on Friday night against the New York Knicks. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric. Name this has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.